Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very of all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iheart radio's iheart country radio discover more shows and movies for free this is the great peterson experience he was like a god walking amongst mere mortals he had a voice that could make a wolverine purr on vsin the sports betting network it's our number two of the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa and the Sports Bank Network, and we've got a tremendous hour coming up for you. We're going to be taking a look at these NFL divisional round games in about 15 minutes with Mackenzie Kramer, who does absolutely tremendous work over at ESPN in their sets and information department. Also does a nice job with the show, The Daily Wager, which you're able to catch pretty much five days a week over there on the four-letter network. So we're going to have some fun taking a look at these divisional matchups, and I know that he's got some props that he's going to be looking at as well, so that is going to be a good time here in this segment. We're taking a look at some college basketball, or DK Nation pick for for, Wednesday, or for Thursday, I should say. That one was able to come through. Had Arizona laying, at the time, 7.5 points. It went up to 8, 8.5 in some spots. Didn't matter if he had 7.5. It didn't matter if he had 8.5. Heck, you could have laid 12, and it still got there. Arizona, a very nice, convincing win there. So that's what we like to see. For me, it was between that and taking the points with the Loyola Marymount. My only mistake was thinking that you actually needed points with the Loyola Marymount because they won the game outright against Gonzaga. So that was a bundle full of fun. So let's look to do it once again here on Friday as we're going to be going back out to the West Coast. But I really do think that... We've got some interesting action in the Mountain West as this is going to be our DK Nation pick. It is 895-896 on the betting board. New Mexico is going to be playing us at Boise State. This is a number that is moving all over the place. Here we get anywhere between New Mexico laying two points and three points. Open up at DraftKings actually more around one and a half and 
Your total on this game, it is between 144 and 145. And I made New Mexico the four-point favorite. So whether you're laying two or you're laying three, obviously try to get the best of the number. I do feel like there's some relatively solid value here on New Mexico regardless. So because with New Mexico, they've been able to do a really good job in a good home court environment in the pit. One of the more, in my opinion, underrated home court advantages in all of college basketball, what New Mexico does a very good job of. Typically, this is sort of tied in with home court advantage as well. They do a great job of being able to get to the free throw line. They are eighth in all of college basketball in terms of free throw attempts on a per field goal attempt basis. So the amount of free throws that you get for every shot that you take from the floor and they do a great job there, and they go up against the Boise State team that is currently 210th in all of college basketball in terms of fouls committed on a per-defensive play basis, so it is then a little bit rough there. And this is going to be a little bit of a strength-on-strength strength matchup. Boise State and New Mexico, both have been really good cover teams. Both of these teams are covering north of 60% of their games, and these two teams have done it in opposite ways. New Mexico... 32nd in the country in terms of offensive efficiency, merely the amount of points scored on a per-possession basis. Boise State, 19th in the country in points allowed on a per-possession basis, but this New Mexico team significantly better on defense than they were a season ago. It's a reason why they've been able to rise up, and the biggest reason why they've been able to improve their defense, Jalen House, the do-it-all guard for this New Mexico team, was averaging 2.9 steals per game. That is the second most of any college basketball player that qualifies as he's also been able to add in their 17.5 points, 4.6 assists, while shooting 41.5% from three-point range. Uh, you do have a Boise State team that has a collective of shooting north of 35% from three-point range. You've got a pair of guys at Max Rice along with Chuzu Agbo who have been able to both shoot over 40% from three-point range. They're both giving you between 11 and 12 points per game, so... They've done a nice job of helping out there. Tyson Dagenhart, he's able to give you six rebounds per game, but this is actually a New Mexico team that has the battle on the boards won. They're 31st in the country in rebound rate. Boise State is 37th, and a big reason why is the two transfers that have come in from New Mexico as they bring in Maurice Uduze, who's been able to do a solid job of teaming up with Josiah Alec. They combine for about 14.5 rebounds per game. Uduze has been able to chip in their nearly 16 points per game as well, and this is a New Mexico team that they get their tempo. They're in the top 40 in the country in terms of total possessions per game. Boise State looking to slow things down just a little bit. And we've noticed that up-tempo teams sometimes can cause for some issues with Boise State as well. So I do think that you've got some good value here with New Mexico. And they just have been really consistent with their play in general. I was mentioning the free throws a bit earlier. They have attempted at least 18 free throws, which that's pretty much a Mendoza line. When it comes to college basketball right now, if you take a look at the median amount of free throws, the team that ranks about 170th in free throws attempted on a per-game basis, they attempt 18 free throws per game, so they've been able to do a very consistent job of getting to the line. I do think that they're going to utilize that home court advantage, utilize the advantage that they've got in the backcourt in general with also having someone in KJ Jenkins that's able to shoot for above 40% from three, eight points per game to be able to get the job done in the circumstance. So this is a circumstance where my DK Nation pick, it is on New Mexico, willing to lay up to three and a half with them. So if we're seeing between two and three, we're willing to lay it whether you've got the two or you've got the three. And with the total, it is very intriguing because I do mention that New Mexico willing to play quite up-tempo, but we've also noticed in teams in games where teams slow them down, like against St. Mary's, they were able to win a game of which neither team got to 70. I did set my total out of 144. We have been seeing this 
Total will take upward to more around 145 in a lot of spots. So I'm going to be taking a look at the under to go along with my DK Nation write-up, which is New Mexico laying between two and three. We're finding a lot in college basketball on Friday of the Mac and the Mac. And let's take a look at the most extreme total on the board, which has now come down. It's not quite yet a look on the over, but if we get a little bit more movement, it might be. How about 893, 894 on the betting board? It is Buffalo, and they play us to Toledo. Toledo has been a rocket ship on offense, and they find themselves a 4-4.5 point favorite with their total that open up at 170. This has been bet down to a microscopic 167 after 168. I still like the under here, but I saw my total at a 166.5, and I thought I was being incredibly aggressive with my number because these are a pair of teams that have not been able to stop a nosebleed all season long. Toledo, 290th of the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. Buffalo, they're more around 225th. And the biggest thing for me is that, as strange as it sounds, Buffalo has scored 80 points or fewer in seven out of their last eight games against D1 competition, which I know now we're really starting to get up there when you're talking about, oh, they've only scored 78 points and things like that. But when you get a total this high, it's almost like you're needing to hit runner-runner because when it comes to Buffalo, they are the number three team in terms of total possessions per game. They've been playing in a clip of about 78 possessions per game. Toledo, they're more in the top 30. And with Toledo, they're playing closer to about 74, 75-ish possessions per game. So that means that in order to be able to hit this total, you still need both of these teams, even with their frenetically fast pace to score more than 1.1 points on a per-possession basis. At some point, you just get to a time in which you just don't have enough possessions to be able to get the over in this spot. You may recall what used to be known as Houston Baptist. They are now known as Houston Christian. They had a couple totals a few years ago, which it got up to a 180. That's when you were just like, man, I recognize that Eastern Christian is not playing a lick of defense and that they are playing up-tempo. As a matter of fact, it was so bad that they were leading college basketball in possessions per game, and they were in the bottom 10 in points allowed on a per-possession basis. That is a deadly, deadly combination right there. But that said, you just get a circumstance where you get up to a little bit too high and for Buffalo, even though they are the team that is giving up more points on a per-possession basis, they're going up against the far inferior offense because with Toledo, despite the fact that they run it and gun it, they really don't waste a lot of possessions. In terms of turnovers on a per-possession basis, this is a top-10 team in all of college basketball, 10.9 turnovers per game. You've got a guy in JT Shulmate who stands right around six foot seven. He's been able to bury 43% of his threes, shoots 90% of the free throw with 18.5 points per contest. Ray J. Dennis, your main point guard, Six assists, 18 and a half points. And really for the Salido team, each other, top five scores, shoot at least 35 and a half percent from three-point range out. They might be without Tyler Cochran once again. He was able to come back into the fold about a week or two ago, but looks like he's being a little bit hampered by injury. And for Buffalo, this is a squad that they only shoot right around 68%, the free throw line, 32 and a half percent from three-point range. So they do leave a little bit of something to be desired on the offensive front as you've been able to have a pair of guys in Yazid Powell along with Curtis Jones be able to combine for about 29.5 points per game. You've got Jones shooting 39% from three, which is rock solid. But other than Jones, you've only got one other guy that gives you north of 4.5 rebounds per game. LaQuil Hardnett has been able to give you 9 points, right around 7 rebounds per game, but has been incredibly inconsistent all season long. So even though they are on the road, I do like Toledo 
to be able to get the job done in this ordeal. I set them as a five and a half point favorite, so won't delay the four to four and a half that I'm seeing right now. And with this total, we're starting to get into the buy point on the over. Not quite there yet. I am still looking at this just hellaciously high total under. And then let's take a look at a pair of teams that have not been scoring a lot of points recently. 881-882 Metro Atlantic game between Mount St. Mary's and Siena. Siena's a now 8.5 to 9.5 point favor with your total between 131 and 131.5. And, and I can't lay the number here. I set my number closer to 7. I'm going to be one. Take the points with Mount St. Mary's. Now, with Mount St. Mary's, they're dealing with an injury to their top point guard and Jalen Benjamin. Tried to give it a go a couple days ago. Only played nine minutes. That is a little bit of a damper. But even with that, you take a look at Mount St. Mary's and they just have not scored a lot recently and they've not given up a lot of points. As a matter of fact, the last time anyone got to 70 points in any of their games, you have to go back to December 1st in which either they gave up 70 points or they scored 70 points. I mean, it is absolutely ridiculous what we're seeing in these Mount St. Mary's games. They are really good on defense. They are porous on offense. This is an ordeal where I set my total more around 127 because you do have to see on the team that they're going to put the ball in the basket a little bit more, but they themselves have not exceeded 70 points each other the last five games. JV on McCollum is able to give you 17 points per game. You've got a pair of guys in Jared Billups along Jackson Sormo that are able to give you right around a combined 12 rebounds per game. So spot where I'm looking at the under, and I just don't think that you're going to be able to win by margin with Sienna. So I'm taking a look at the points, and coming up next, we're taking a look at some football with Mackenzie Kramer. We've got a great slate of divisional matchups, and he is going to join me to break these down here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human-moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. 
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my game. game. <laughs> You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VEASAN.com to check out the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and the bets are moving out every single game? The betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every 10 minutes. So that way you're able to see all the changes in the action. Find where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money just does not match up with the public opinion. You're able to check out not just today's action, but future events as well as betting splits are another way that VEASAN is here year-round to make you a smarter better. So check out today's betting splits for every single game now at vsin.com as we're back here on the greg peterson experience on vsin the sports betting network and it's always great to be joined by this man mackenzie kramer does great work over at espn with the stats and information department along with the show the daily wager and mackenzie always great to have you aboard thank you always great to be on love hearing the brent rossberger intro and looking forward to talking some nfl with you and i always look forward to talking nfl with you too and mackenzie let's start off with a game that I feel like has had the most interesting line movement because I do feel like the opener that we saw in the Bengals and Bills game was relatively correct. We were finding it in a lot of places right around four. This is now ballooned to being in most places a line of the Buffalo Bills laying five and a half points. We're seeing some sixes out there as well. I'm not sure where you stand on this game, but I feel like this has the potential to be a field goal game. You've got the offensive line concerns, no question about it, with the Cincinnati Bengals, but We've seen the Bengals be able to overcome this before, and with Joe Burrow, I have less fear of him throwing the boneheaded interception that he do with Josh Allen. I mean, with Josh Allen, I had a big future on him entering the year in those interceptions, which I thought was going to be pretty live until uh, the last Bills-Bengals game got uh, postponed from the way through. But it's so hard to go against Joe Burrow, especially when you're giving him five and a half points. Bengals have covered eight straight as a dog, but... When this game was first announced, I really wanted to take Buffalo. And at four, I thought that that was a pretty good number for Buffalo. I think that they're the better team really on both sides of the ball. And with the Bengals' offensive line injuries, which have been discussed so much this week, I think the biggest key with them is that they happened so late in the season that the Bengals haven't had time to adjust. We know Joe Burrow got sacked a lot each of his first two NFL seasons, but both those years he had to deal with it all season. He had time to adjust. The offensive line had time to gel with backups that isn't really the case this year and we saw last week with how bad the Bengals offense looked they averaged 4.3 yards from play 234 total yards last week against the Ravens needed that Sam Hubbard touchdown to win the Bills let me down pretty badly last week against the Dolphins but 
you look at the box score, like they outgained them by 192 yards, held them to 3.3 yards per play. They shut down the Dolphins. It was just a bunch of fluky returns and turnovers, like you said. So I like the Bills in this game. I think that they're clearly the better team. It's a little tough to lay five and a half in this spot. I'm a little worried about a Joe Burrow backdoor. I think the way that I'm playing this game and the only bet I've made so far in this game is on the Bills first half minus three. I think this could be a game the Bills come out pretty strong in. And we saw last week the Bills lit up the Dolphins to a 17-0 start. We're favored by well over three touchdowns in the live line in the first quarter. And then uh, it all fell apart later in the game. The total might be a little bit high given the Bengals' offensive line injuries. Just so hard to pull the trigger on in the 40s, uh, Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. I know the weather has been talked about a little bit this week. I'm not too worried about that because it doesn't seem to be much wind. So I don't have a strong lead on the on the side in this game, but I do Bill's first half would be the way that I would look to play this game right now. Yeah, Ben, you got to feel like there's going to be a lot of emotion in that building as well because last time these two teams were supposed to play, it was that fateful Monday Night Football game, which fortunately it seems like we are getting a little bit of a happy ending to what was a very, very tragic situation on that front. So can't ask for anything more in terms of just the way things have progressed ever since then. But certainly I do think that it's going to be really one of the more marquee games that we see all playoff long. And this one I think is an interesting one as well as it's the other game that is going down on Sunday with the Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers. 49ers are pretty much out four-point favorite across the board. We were seeing some three and a halfs out there. They, those have pretty much dried up. So on this game between 46 and 46 and a half, where do you stand on the Cowboys? Because the Cowboys last month of the regular season, less than savory. They looked really good against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but not a great Buccaneers team. Meanwhile, you got a 49ers team that's on an 11-game win streak, but we've seen it. With these teams that enter into the playoffs with these eight-plus game win streaks, typically they don't make the Super Bowl. 49ers during their win streak because they really haven't beaten anybody of notice. Like, what's the best team they've beaten during that win streak? Is it the Bucks, the Chargers, the Commanders? Like, they don't really have it. They haven't beaten anybody anywhere near as good as the Cowboys during that win streak. And I really like the, the Cowboys in this game. That's my favorite play of the week in terms of sides. A couple weeks ago, the Cowboys were considered just as good a team, if not a better team, than the 49ers. It was kind of that way for most of October, most of November, probably early December. And last week on the show, I told you that I thought the button the Cowboys handicap last week was which Cowboys did you think you were going to get? If you thought you were going to get the November Cowboys, the October Cowboys, then thought last week's line should have been around six. And if you got the late season Cowboys that looked so bad down the stretch, losing to, the, to Washington in week 18 by a ton, that line should have probably been pick them, but it turned out we got the midseason Cowboys, and I think that that's the team that we can get this week. And if that's the case, I think there's a lot of value on the four here. I even thought there was a little bit of value on the three and a half, and glad I waited because four is obviously a much better number to get the extra uh, key number there. There is something to be said about the Cowboys playing on five days rest and the Niners getting the extra rest time. But if you look back in, in the Super Bowl era, Teams that are on the short rest, they're 19 and 14 against the spread. So I'm not saying that's necessarily predictive, but it's kind of just there to show you that it's not a death sentence that they're on this short week. So I really like Dallas in the spot. And our ESPN analytics model really likes the Cowboys in the spot. We think the Cowboys are a better team on a neutral field than the 49ers. And this game is our biggest difference between the betting line and, and uh, our FBI line. So I really like Dallas in the spot getting four. I have a small lean on the over, which has gone up to 46, 46 and a half right now. I liked it a little bit more at 45 and a half. I made a small uh, bet on that earlier today. 46 and a half, it's starting to get a little bit high to, to play that. But uh, Dallas in the spot, I love them getting four points. I even like them on the money line. 
with the Cowboys. I don't know if I can quite get there on the money line, but this does have the feel of a three-point game. So even at a three and a half, I liked it. Four gives you even more protection because if you get one of those strange 24 to 20, let's throw out there something like a 20 to 16, just spitballing here. Give yourself a little bit of added protection there. This is a game in which it's another one of those where I like the favorite to be able to win outright, but I don't want to be laying the number. That would be the Kansas City Chiefs playing us to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars are between an 8.5 to a 9-point underdog. Last time these two teams played, it was the Chiefs who got the job done by a count of 10 points and honestly probably should have won by 17 because there was a late garbage time touchdown. The Jaguars, they were able to do a good job of sealing a few possessions in that game, but they still did have a just relatively rough time of it against the Chiefs, but that was a very long time ago. Ever since then, the Jaguars have looked like arguably the second hottest team in the playoffs. Where do you stand in terms of Chiefs versus Jags? Spread for this game is pretty fair in terms of the eight and a half nines that we're seeing, kind of like teasing the eight and a half down to two and a half with the Eagles, which is the pretty much the most popular teaser line on the planet this week. But yep. we'll get to that when we talk about the Eagles in a little bit. But I'm not sure how the Jaguars slowed the Chiefs down in this game. Even in the first game you talked about, the Chiefs had 20 points in the first half. Even had a red zone turnover, so it could have even been more in that one. And the Chiefs have been a really good first half team all season long. First in EPA per play, Jaguars ranked 20th. Chiefs were even 11th in defensive EPA per play in the first half, while the Jaguars ranked 19th. Jaguars have been a second-half team pretty much all year. We even saw that last week against the Chargers when the Jaguars got boat raced in the first half and then it came all the way back to win. I think this could be another game where the Chiefs start fast, and I like them uh, in the first half in this game. That's kind of the way I'm playing this game. It's kind of like the Bills-Bengals game where it's like I, th- I have a lot of respect for the Jaguars' offense and how they played down the stretch. Not so much the defense. I worry about how the Jaguars – and the, I think I feel like their weaknesses, they struggle against tight ends. Chiefs have Travis Kelsey. They struggle against pass-catching running backs. Chiefs have Jared McKinnon, who's been one of the best pass-catching running backs in the NFL down the stretch. And they've been struggling against slot receivers, and that's Juju. So the Chiefs' top three weapons in the passing game all can attack uh, Jaguars' weaknesses. So I'm a little bit uh, – I'm pretty confident the Chiefs will put up a big number in this game. I'm not sure if the Jaguars will be able to put up enough to cover this uh, spread, but – I don't want to worry about a backdoor cover in this game, especially with over a touchdown this game, especially given what we saw with the Jaguars last week. The Jaguars have been a really, really good team as an underdog this season. Eight and five outright is actually tied for the most underdog wins in any season in the Super Bowl era, including the playoffs. Meanwhile, the Chiefs, they've been favored in 14 straight playoff games now, which is also the longest streak in the Super Bowl era. So Chiefs are in a spot they're used to. Jaguars are in the spot they're used to. But I'm going to go with the Chiefs in the first half, and that's going to play this game. It's a classic case of something's got to give, and we've got about a minute left for this one as it is the Giants and the Eagles with the Eagles. Seven-half point favorite. Trollon's game is ranging between about a 48, seeing a couple straight 47 halves remaining as well, but mostly 48. Where do you stand in terms of this divisional matchup? Because this is another game where I could see the Eagles winning by seven, but I have my trepidations with whether or not you're going to be seeing a fully healthy Jalen Hurts. I mean, there's so many fun angles in this game, and the Jalen Hurts injury is a huge part of it. When they met back in week 14, the Eagles were seven-point favorites on the road. It was seven-and-a-half most of the week. But to me, the most interesting part about the line is the total was 44-and-a-half. Now the total is up to 48, 48-and-a-half. To me, the two biggest differences between that matchup and this matchup are the Giants' defense looks a lot better in the few weeks since then, and we have a lot of questions about Jalen Hurts on offense. So to me, under 48, under 48-and-a-half, that's my main lead in the game. 
I think the Eagles probably should be favored by more if Andrew Hurts is healthy, but we don't. So that's why we have the seven and a half right now. Absolutely. But one thing that we do know is that Mackenzie Kramer does great work over at ESPN. And coming up next, we're talking some UFC and some futures with him. I'm the Greg Peterson Experience. I'm VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you're looking for a betting edge on football's biggest game, the VSIN experts have you covered. Become a VSIN Pro subscriber with an introductory offer of just $9.99. VSIN Pro subscribers get access to our daily recap of the top plays made by VSIN shows and guests, tools like our betting splits. I'll let you see where the money and the bets are moving on every single game. Deep dive betting reports, VSIN betting guides for the biggest games of the season where our experts break down brackets, bets, bets, and all the big game props. Do not miss out on this limited time offer. Visit vcin.com slash subscribe and sign up for only $9.99 and become a part of the Sports Betting Network. That's at vsin.com slash subscribe. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on vcin, the Sports Betting Network, being rejoined by Mackenzie Kramer, who does great work over at ESPN with the Sets and Information Department along with the show, The Daily Wager, and Mackenzie will hit upon UFC in a few minutes. But what have you really been taking a look at in terms of the NBA futures market? Because I know that futures are one of the things that you really do best. We typically have you on to be able to talk about some NFL, but that said, I know that you do a lot in terms of the futures market, and I know that there's been some NBA futures in particular that you've been honing in on, which I do find to be some of the hardest markets to gauge. I think the futures markets, especially the NBA awards markets, which I like to target the most, they're my favorite bets to markets to bet into because it's easier to beat the books. It's much a guessing game as any market there is out there. It's not like the books have a model that they know, all right, you know, this is what the number should be. You can adjust it slightly based on money. They're just guessing as much as everybody else. And there's so much narrative base where the odds can fluctuate so much on a day-to-day basis. And they often move way too slow. Sometimes that's when an injury happens last year, for instance. The day that Kevin Durant got hurt, Joel Embiid was still 50 to 1 win MVP. A couple of days later, he's the favorite around plus 125. One market that I'm moderating for something similar is Defensive Player of the Year with Jaron Jackson, who's minus 185, and he's a worthy favorite um, in a lot of places. But he's missed 16 games this year. If he misses nine more games, he's not even eligible for any season long statistical leaderboards. In fact, he's not even eligible for the blocks leader, leaderboard right now. So if he gets any sort of injury, Jam everyone you could possibly can think of in that market because I don't think Jackson is going to be able to win if he win- misses that many more games, though. If he stays healthy, he's probably pretty much a lock to win that award. As far as some of the other awards markets, I think the I, I was hammering Jokic last week to an MVP. I think that market's kind of uh, fixed itself right now. Jokic is an odds-on favorite, which I believe he should be right now. But to me, the market that I'm looking at the most right now is the sixth man of the year award. Russell Westbrook, depending where you look, I've seen minus 150. I've I've seen seen minus minus 250. Yeah, I've seen minus 250 at drafting, which to me is insane. I mean, the NBA.com, they they did an awards poll about a week and a half ago, and Westbrook wasn't even the winner for sixth man of the year there. So, And a lot of people who voted in that poll also vote in the NBA uh, for the actual award itself. Not all of them, but enough. And if that poll is not voting for Westbrook number one, why is he this big of a favorite? I mean, I'm not saying he shouldn't be one of the favorites, 
I think that he and Malcolm Brogdon should be pretty much 1A and 1B, and I would probably lean Brogdon right now. Brogdon's got 3.3 win shares this year, year compared to Russell Westbrook at 0.7. Westbrook, every advanced stat you look at does not like him at all. He's got a negative 11 net rating right now. I know he's got the points, rebounds, assists, counting numbers, but the Lakers are basically 2-1 to one to make the playoffs right now. So how can Westbrook be this big of a favorite to win any award? I think Brogdon right now around four to one. I've seen his numbers starting to shrink a little bit uh, in the last day or two. He's averaging 14 points a game outside shot of 50, 40, 90 on the best team in the East. I think he's probably the deserving favorite right now. If you're looking for a long shot, uh, one guy that I've been sprinkling on is Bobby Portis and Bucks on a good team, leads players in double doubles off the bench, has a statistical profile. And if the Bucks get the one seed in the East, which right now they're in second in the East, then I think that might be a way to award, reward the Bucks season. But in general, I think this is just a good market to bet into right now. And another thing with this market is the odds vary wildly from book to book. I was looking at one book earlier today where Jordan Poole is the second favorite, which is funny because he started 23 times out of 45 games. So right now he's not even eligible to win the award because you have to come over, off the bench for a, over half your games. But I've seen him 25 to 1 in other books. So there are some big values if you do want to do some line shopping in this market. And I really think just picking anybody you like in this market, there can be some value in that because I don't think Westbrook's going to win. And if he's taking up this much win equity in the market with his odds, then I think there's value in a lot of guys. Brogdon, Portis, they're my two favorite ones, but you can sell me on Norman Powell. You can sell me on Ben Matherin. So whoever you like, I just think this is a good market to bet into right now. I do think so as well. And Mackenzie, most people that know me know that I'm more of a game to game better. I am not as much of a features guy. I've got one future, and ironically enough, it's not in college basketball, it's in the NBA. A little bit earlier this year, I took Shea Gildress-Alexander at 18-1 to 1 to be most improved player. Right now, it's he and Lowry marketing neck and neck. Right now, I'm seeing at DraftKings, marketing is minus 125, Shea Gildress-Alexander plus 110, and then from there, you've got Jalen Brunson at 13-1, to 1, then a bunch of guys north of 20-1. to 1. What do you say in terms of this market? And is there any value right now on Gilders Alexander plus money? Because I know that he has been the favorite for much of the way before marketing has been able to put together a nice run. I don't think the plus money, I mean, obviously 18 to one, that, that is looking fantastic I like it. right now. Or in the plus 110, plus 120 range on SGA. I don't think that's enough right now. I mean, he, he I think marketing is definitely the worthy favor right now. He fits the most improved Player criteria traditionally a lot better going for our role model to a borderline all-star increasing his points per game by about 10 points per game this year. CA was almost too good last year. I mean, he averaged over 25 points a game last year. He's up about five points this year. And if the Thunder make the playoffs, I think SGA has got a, a good chance to win that award. But with both these teams and, and both those, the, the Jazz and the Thunder, it's very interesting to see if either one of those teams are going to be able to hang on and make the playoffs because that'll definitely bolster either one of their uh, either one of those candidates. The one long shot I've been sprinkling on is Jalen Brunson, who was 100 to one in some books about a week or two ago. So I missed out on some of the best odds, but even around 16 to one, which I've seen in some places, I think there's a little bit of value on that. He's averaging over 31 points per game this month for a team that's tied for six in the East. I always think in these awards markets. High sometimes goes to the teams in New York because the New York media is so overwhelming, especially when it comes to a team like the Knicks, which are New York's basketball team, uh, you know, just because the Nets, the Nets get more national media coverage than they do local media coverage. But Jalen Brunson has a really strong case. He's improved his numbers by about a similar uh, improvement to SGA. Not quite at the same level, but he's averaging over 31 points per game this month. If he can keep that up, then I think there's a little bit of value at the 16 to 1, especially if the Thunder or the Jazz slip up. 
Yep, I think that there is a little bit of value on that front. And I know that you're searching for a little bit of value in the UFC as well. And I think that we've got a relatively good card that's going to be coming up this weekend. And one of the main fights that you're taking a look at is this Paul Gregg versus Johnny Walker fight. Love the name Johnny Walker, by the way. And he's a minus 190 favorite. And this is a round prop that is very much juicy under. Minus 185 juice on under one and a half. So they're thinking that there's going to be a finish in this fight. Where do you stand in terms of Craig versus Walker? Few fights in this card with an over-under of one and a half. We might see some super early finishes on this card on Saturday night on ESPN Plus, but I like Paul Craig in this one. I like the underdog in this one, and the main reason why is I don't trust Johnny Walker one bit. Since he switched camps to John Kavanaugh, it just seems like he's been a low-output fighter who's trying to be more of a defensive fighter, but he doesn't have very good defensive fundamentals. Sure, he looked good against Iwan Kutalaba, was able to outcrack with him, but Kutalaba is not a very good grappler. Paul Craig doesn't do much well as a fighter, but he is a fantastic grappler and a great submission grappler. I mean, he's won so many times as an underdog in his career and chances he's been he's been uh, uh, doubted. And even beat Jamal Hill, who's fighting for the title, who's favored to win the title in the main event on this week's card. I know Craig is not a great fighter, but this is just purely a fate of Johnny Walker. I don't think he should be minus 190 against anybody who has the finishing capability of Craig. I know there's a chance that Walker has a highlight reel finish in the first minute of this fight, maybe even the first 30 seconds of this fight. But if Craig can stay along, stay in this fight, get this fight to the ground, I think Craig can come up and finish. So I like Craig inside the distance, though you're not going to get a whole lot more value on that than you are on him to actually win the fight. But Craig would be the way that I would play that fight. Yep, I do think that there's a lot of value there. I do agree with you. And then how about if we take a look at the main event that we're going to be finding in terms of the Hill versus Sashera fight that you were alluding to a little bit earlier. With Hill, he's a minus 140 favorite. And I think that this fight really comes down to how you value age because Glover Teixeira, I believe he's now 43 years old. He might be 44 very soon as well. But I take a look at this fight and I do think that Teixeira is a little bit of the better fighter, but he certainly is the more age guy. And you got to figure at some point he's going to be having a little bit of a fall. Off. What do you saying on Hill versus Teixeira? You absolutely nailed that handicap right there. That, that's that's exactly the story of this fight right now. Because if you look at Teixeira, I think he's significantly more skilled in pretty much every area, area when it comes to just pure mixed martial arts. Question is, is he going to fall off a cliff? He is 43 years old, so there's always that possibility. Usually when fighters lose it, they lose it very quickly and they never get it back. So the fact that he's still this good at age 43 is, is pretty remarkable. But he was able to handle Yuri Prochaska's athleticism advantage just fine in his last fight about six months ago. I know he lost that fight in the fifth round, but he looked perfectly good. Not that Yuri is a much better fighter than Jamal Hill. has not been tested anywhere near the level of Glover Teixeira. He probably should be in a number one contender fight. He was supposed to fight Anthony Smith for uh, the, the light heavyweight fight at the last pay-per-view part ended in the draw. So I think that that Hill probably needed one more tune-up fight for this. So to get a guy skilled with the share at plus money in this fight, that's a bet that appeals a lot to me. Absolutely. And I know that we always get value whenever Mackenzie Kramer joins the show. Does great work over at ESPN. Coming up next, we're going to be taking a look at a Big East game for this College Basketball Friday here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy 
Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my day. That's my day. <laughs> <laughs> The football playoffs are heating up with Brett Rivers Online Sportsbook. Brett Rivers is your go-to sportsbook for all things football this playoff season. Celebrate this weekend with our divisional round parlay insurance and then extend the fun throughout the rest of the playoffs with our football first touchdown insurance. Log into BetRivers.com or download the BetRivers app today to get in on all the action as it is a whole new game. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Always great to get Mackenzie Kramer aboard. Big thanks to him for joining me in the last two segments. Took a look at some NBA futures. Took a look at a little UFC. Took a look at all four matchups that we've got this weekend in the NFL. So we're covering all the bases here on the Greg Peterson Experience. We got a little bit of a leadoff in terms of looking at the college basketball board for this Friday. So let's continue on with 
what is probably deemed by many as the biggest game on the card. Personally, I would go with Boise State versus New Mexico, but this is the power conference game that we are going to be seeing for Friday as we go 891, 892 on the betting board. It is St. John's. They're going to be playing us to Villanova. Villanova opened up a three and a half point underdog. Money is coming against them. It's been a rough year for Villanova as they are now between four and four and a half point underdogs. Your total is starting to creep down. Opened up at 151, and now it is anywhere between 148 and a half and 150. The 148 and a half, a little bit off market, finding that where I sit currently at Circa. And this is a number that I do like under. I think that the value on the under is starting to diminish. As I set my total at a 147 and a half, I just find it that when you get St. John's versus Villanova, you do get a lot of unders in this series in general. I do think that. Once you get down to about a 147, that's a point of no return on that under. But I just take a look at this game, and I don't know if you get enough possessions to be able to get this total over because it's a Villanova team that is one of the slowest teams in all of college basketball in terms of possessions per game. Now, the inverse of that is that St. John's is one of the fastest teams in all of college basketball. St. John's, number 12 in all of college basketball in terms of possessions per game. Villanova, 308th. But we noticed the first time around when these two teams played, St. John's lost that game to Villanova by kind of 78 to 63. One of Villanova's really lone wins that they've been able to get this season as they're currently 9 and 10 straight up. I mean, we want to talk about some of the biggest disappointments at all of college basketball. We didn't think that Villanova was necessarily going to be a one seed or anything like that, but boy, I thought that they would be a little bit better than 9 and 10 straight up. And for this Villanova bunch, they're coming off of three losses in their last four games. And for that matter, the only team that they have knocked off since they played St. John's. And when they played St. John's, it was a little bit before Christmas. The only team that they've defeated since then is Georgetown. And Georgetown's last win in the, against a Big East foe came in the Big East tournament of 2021. It's been a while for them. And for Villanova, they were able to get the job done first time these two teams played by kind of 78 to 63. But in that game, St. John's shot an ice-cold 27 of 75. You can't think that they're going to be going into the cooler once again because if you take a look at it, should they have won that game if they had shot an average amount? Probably not, but I do think that things are going to be a little bit better for them in this game. They've got Joel Soriano last game, 17 points, 13 rebounds, and that's relatively on par with his season averages of right around 12.5 rebounds per game, which is third in all of college basketball. you got Pasha Alexander, Andre Curbelo, these two guys combine for about 20 points per contest. They do combine for about nine and a half assists. They also combine for nearly six turnovers per game as well. But both of these guys are able to get takeaways. They average a combined about four steals per game. Meanwhile, you got a Villanova team that if there is two things that they do well, it's two things that you associate with not beating yourself. For Villanova, they shoot 83.5%. The free throw line, that is number one in all of college basketball. And the 10.3 turnovers per game, that's in the top 25 in all of college basketball. So... <clears throat> I'm getting all choked up talking about the way that Villanova is able to take care of things. They turn the ball over about 10.3 times per game, and Cam Whitmore, he's been able to make a little bit of a difference for this team, about 13 points, five rebounds after he missed the first seven games of the season. But when it comes down to it for this Villanova team, I think that they're able to hold in there. I think because they do the little things, they are going to be able to. And this is a St. John's team that I mentioned they should shoot a little bit better they still do shoot only about 31.5% from three-point range. So it is a circumstance where 
I did set this line at one and a half. I think that St. John's ultimately does get their revenge, but I do think that Kyle Neptune is going to get into these guys, have them playing a little bit harder, being able to get between four and four and a half. That appeals to me. I'm going to be taking a look at the points, and I think that the tried and true under in this series, it is going to be continuing. So looking at the under, and I'm going to be taking a look at getting the points with Villanova. How about if we take a look at one of the best defenses in all of college basketball? They are going to be on full display on Friday, 877-878 on the betting board. It is Ball State. They're on the road facing up against Kent State. Golden flashes of Kent State, anywhere between an 8.5 to a 9.5 point favorite. And your total between 137.5 and 138. I set my number at 9. Most books are currently offering a 9. I'm seeing one straight 8.5, and, and I'm seeing one straight 9.5. I personally would rather take 9.5 with Ball State rather than lay 8.5 with Kent State. I'm going to let this... Line progress throughout the AM. See if we can get a little bit more value one way or the other. Perhaps that's down to eight, seven half with Kent State. Perhaps that's up to double figures with Ball State. So I'm going to let it marinate. But that said, if I had to take it right now, I'd be taking a look at the nine and a half with Ball State because I do think that what they've got going for them is Peyton Sparks. 13 points, eight rebounds per game. Very versatile big man that has been one of the better ones out in this MAC conference. And you do have a Ball State team that they're pretty efficient on offense. And they're pretty inefficient on defense. As in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis, it is a Ball State team that they rank outside the top 200 with that regard. But anybody able to do a good job of being able to put the ball in the basket with Jalen Sellers, giving you 13 and a half points, shooting 50% from three point range. Jaron Coleman, he chips in there about four and a half boards. He's also been able to give this team right around 14 points per game, shoots in the high 30s from three point range. And then you've got two of the best Steelers in all of college basketball. And the Vegas one, that is on the Kent State side. Malik Jacobs, three steals per game. That is number one in all of college basketball. And it's a big reason why Kent State ranks in the top 25 nationally in terms of turnovers for on a per possession basis. And it's also a big reason why this Kent State team has been really good on defense. 14th in the country in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis. And for Kent State, they've also got sincere carry. Love his game, 17 points, right around four assists per game. But he only shoots right around 29% from three-point range. And it is going to be a little bit tough to match up with Peyton Sparks down low. You've got a pair of guys in Silron Hornbeek, coupled with also the gentleman that transfers in from, I believe it was Ball State, might have been Miami of Ohio, in Myron Thomas. These two guys combined for 12 rebounds per game. Thomas is a six foot eight, little bit of a cowboy player that shoots nearly 40% from three-point range. But Kent State as a whole, not necessarily a great jump shooting team. This is a total that I did set personally at a 138. So we're starting to see 137.5 pop up at a 137.5. It would be my buy point on the over in this spot because I do think that you're going to be able to get a little bit of late game falling. I think that Ball State going to be able to hang within arm's reach in this one. And for Ball State, I do think that they're going to be versatile enough to be able to put the ball in the basket in this spot. I do think that they're going to give up some of their points as well. So it's a circumstance where I'm going to be taking a look at this total over at a 137.5 or less. And I'm taking a look at Trying to get nine and a half or greater with Ball State, as I do think that Ball State going to be able to hang in there against a Kent State team that if they make the NCAA tournament, look out, Power Conference teams, because they're very, very good. This is the top team out there in the Metro Atlantic, but they have fallen on some tough times, losing two out of their last three games. It is Iona, and this is 885-886 on the betting board, and the Iona Gales are on the road facing off against the Manhattan Jaspers. Manhattan between a 13 and a 13 and a half point home underdog with your total between 140.5 and 141.5. I think there's a pretty simple explanation as to why Iona's lost two out of their last three games. And that is that Walter Clayton, one of their top scorers, 
has been out of the fold for much of them. He was able to return for the most recent game, but was a little bit more limited. I think that he's going to be back in a full capacity in this game, and that's big because he and Dennis Jenkins combined to give you about 31 points per contest. With Clayton, he shoots 97.8% at the free throw line. He shoots 41% from three-point range. And then Jenkins gives you four and a half boards, five assists per game. He's a little bit more of a versatile guy. And they've also got back the fold someone who missed quite a bit of their tournament out in Hawaii. That would be Barrick Jean Louis. He missed right around three or four games. He's back to fold eight points, four and a half boards, two and a half assists, a block, a steal per game. Shoots 33% from three. Very versatile. And with having the injury to Walter Clayton, it's caused Iona to fail to get to 70 points in two out of their last three games. When Clayton has been fully healthy, they've gotten to at least 70 points in every single game this season. Now they go up against a Manhattan team that ranks in the bottom one earner in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. They do have Josh Roberts down low, comes in from St. John's. He's been able to give this team right around two and a half blocks per game. He chips in their nine rebounds per game, but it's a Manhattan team that they also turned the ball over nearly 15 times per game. Manhattan has had a really rough time of being able to guard the perimeter. I did set Iona as a 14-point favorite, willing to lay the number. With Clayton back in the fold, I'm willing to take this total over as well. Semi-total at 144. I think that you get back to that good Iona basketball. And what else is good? Take a look at pro tips. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. We're all easier. able to sort them by show and by sport. And we were talking about this a little bit earlier. We're seeing a lot of games that are hovering right around that critical number. If you're one that likes like the New York Giants at a seven half, you might want to take that right now because if it goes to a seven, you lose out on a lot of value. If you like the Eagles, probably want to wait. The value loss from seven half to eight, not as great as what's gained if this goes down to a seven. And coming up next, we continue to take a look at college basketball here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Beeson, the Sports Bank Network. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very slow. all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. (laughs) Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. At- 